Uh, yes. So you were talking about the idea of hell banning a user, which means that anything the user does becomes silent. I was talking the thing what I which which I've always done is uh, hell banning. I don't know if it's called that. Um, in, like hell deleting essentially. So somebody says something that gets deleted, uh, they continue to see it even though it's been deleted. Um, so it's a, a moderator deletes one individual post of that user, then that individual post is deleted, but they don't know about the fact that it was deleted. Oh, so it's not a systemic thing. It's right. just individual posts by that yep. user disappear. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that's a fair, well. Well, the idea is that then, that then it's sort of like, you know, this isn't like a punishment for the person or we're not trying to give you the silent treatment or anything. We're certainly not trying to censor everything you say. Um, we just think that this particular outburst, outburst of yours is, uh, um, you know, you know, not worthy of other people seeing it, essentially. So, right. That's all. That's all I wanted to bring up. The, the other okay, thing I wanted to fine. bring up, because you had blogged about the concept of hell banning, uh, and and for those of you from the listening audience that didn't see that, um, that that was actually on codinghorror. dot com, and producer Alex will stick a link to that latest blog post um, in the show notes. Uh, is um, when when you, I I just thought it was interesting, and this doesn't really go to the the crux of the issue but i think it's always interesting whenever you bring up an issue like that and you say hey what do you guys think about the following possible punishment <laughs> or that this possible behavior you know treatment of, of of bad users but you don't start by telling the story of what the bad user did people are always very sympathetic to these poor users who are being punished and it's not really clear there's never you know a context of the fact that they are you know being verbally abusive or threatening to kill people or threatening to kill themselves or or um, posting spam or just asking questions uh, that are homework questions or asking questions that utterly do not belong on our site in any way or like without some kind of context of the punishment of the crime it's very very hard for people to evaluate the, the behavior so one thing I thought was funny is when you posted about that you said hey we're sort of you know thinking about these different mechanisms you got your your hell banning your slow banning your sharp poke in the eye with a stick um, you know branding your forehead with a with the letter Z uh, and and all of those things it um, with, without the context of what did I actually do wrong what did the person actually do wrong get an awful lot of responses of people saying oh how cruel why would you ever do something so cruel to somebody or Surely they are merely, you know, iconoclasts with an interesting opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some context that needs to go with the, with uh, the decision. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of the the meta discussion. And that's one of the fascinations with 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 hell banning. Although I don't actually believe in it, I think on the whole, it's right. uh, every community is different. So it may work in certain communities, but on the whole, I, I don't like it. Um, but it does really avoid all the, you know discussion parts which is a lot of the really painful part of when that stuff happens mm -hmm. um but yeah. it's kind of a mixed blessing because with, without the discussion you don't no one can actually judge if it was done correctly right which i mean if i decide to hell ban some user or five of their posts like no one really knows <laughs> except for me and you know i guess the other moderators i mean and to be clear like we we do have on on, on stack stack overflow and all the stack exchange sites we have multiple moderators and we we do expect the moderators to disagree uh, not severely, but to some degree on decisions that are made. It's a checks and balances system. So if a moderator does something, the community can disagree. Um, the other moderators can disagree. That's all fine. And then a lot of this stuff we do encourage discussing on meta. If it's not like some super private issue that 
really shouldn't be discussed in public for whatever reason, like something really bad happened, you don't want to make that user look bad, um, you wouldn't discuss it there. But general issues of moderation, we do encourage people to discuss on meta. So there's there's supposed to be quite a bit of transparency about what's going on. Right, right. Um, One reason. of the... The, the thing that got me around eventually to hell banning is not that you want to eliminate disruption. It's that um, a, a common troll technique, which some of the people on some of our sites have been have been perfecting since the mid-90s on Usenet, is to do something that is known to be bad behavior uh, in, in order to provoke it being deleted and then play the martyr card. Oh, I'm being censored. Oh, isn't this horrible King Jeff Atwood of the commercial corporation stack exchange has decided that his rights to not be insulted are more important, and of course his monetary rights are more important than my right to free speech as a practicing professor of whatever science it might be. And and uh, isn't this awful? And then people see that and they don't actually see what got deleted, um, which which might have been, you know, obnoxious or, you know, unuseful or whatever. And uh, and all of a sudden it becomes about the censorship and the person can play their martyr card very effectively. And then all of a sudden you get leaps and bounds of people who all think that they're all being interesting on the Internet by quoting Voltaire and saying, I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will defend to the death your right to s state it. And it all sounds very dramatic and you get the, the, you know, the angry letters of resignation from the moderators and so on and so forth. Not that I'm talking about any particular incident. But um, what's interesting about the sort of hell deleting a single thing is that you just take the bad thing that they did and you continue to show it to everybody in the same class C range. So everybody at their university can still see what they wrote, but the rest of the world doesn't have to look at it. It's just sort of, you know, kind of a little bit deleted, not totally. One suggestion, a comment I saw on the uh, blog post that was uh, quite good was the idea that you would enforce the policy of you can't really discuss specific situations. You have to somewhat generalize it a bit. So that way you would avoid sort of some of this focusing on these minutia of of what this one user did and talk about like general, like why do we have moderation? Like what's it for? Without getting into, oh, because, you know, he said, she said, he posted this, then we posted this. And yeah. it's all very tedious. It's all very, very, ah, uh, gosh, you know. It's not what we're here to it's talk about, obsessively, actually. Yeah, it's really obsessively detailed. It's like I'm yeah. happy to talk about, like, why do we delete things? Why do we remove things? Like, what's right. the point of that? Because the point of it is ultimately, you know, signal noise and protecting yep. the experience for everyone. I mean, I think ultimately it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, but getting into extreme details of one particular case is almost never good, you know. Um, so th that's sort of the distinction when I said talk about it on meta. is like it's, it has to be somewhat general. I don't want, like, every single person who has one moderator thing happen to them go and complain on meta about it. It's like, talk about that class of event. Right. Then we can, that, that can be the one discussion of that class of event for the rest of recorded history. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, I think, the better way to handle it. So, but yeah, Hellbending has come up a number of times. I think we've talked at least three or four times on the old podcast and it's definitely interesting. Yep. And I just want to get it out there because not everybody knew about it and there's also like that error technique and also the slowdown technique and... I think people are... do have a right to know that this stuff goes on. Like, I I don't know. Sure. I mean, that, that bugged me that people wouldn't know that this was happening to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always going to have... The truth is that the people that are sort of destructive to the community, most of the time, they're not really invested enough to try to find out. I mean, like, they don't... Most of the problem behavior comes from people that don't care enough about you. That's why they're being problematic. Yeah, they don't have skin in the game. In fact, yeah. that was what, what the person was saying in the comment. was like, these people don't have skin in the game. They're just like rubbernecking. Like, yep. if you have an actual connection to the event, then 
yes, talk about it. But if you're just so wandering by and you happen to see, you know, this in great injustice happening on the internet <laughs> and you just felt compelled to speak out about it, it's like that's not really super helpful. Right, right. Uh, and I think that was a really good distinction to make. Sam just messaged me. It looks like he's available. So, Producer Alex, did you want to try oh, cool. calling? Let's, let's, let's bring in Sam of the Waffles uh, calling from Australia. Now we're going to get a very loud doot, 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 doot. Which will... Jeff, do you have a, like an auto on your, on your mic level? Do you have it automatically? Because every time you're not talking, your mic gets really, really sensitive and we hear um, sort of background static from you. Oh. Hey. Is that Sam? Hey, Sam. Yeah, it is. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sam. Uh, hey. Well, you, you heard that? I don't. I don't hear producer Alex. Yeah, it's good. Okay, I, I good. fixed my volume levels. They were indeed set to automatically adjust. Joel, sorry about that. Okay. Cool. Uh, so, uh, Sam, you missed the first part of the podcast in which we talked about hell banning, and so <laughs> actually, um, I, Jeff didn't want to tell you this, but everything you say is not actually going to be in the podcast, except you'll hear oh, okay. it when you listen to the podcast. <laughs> yes, we're <laughs> hell banning you. <laughs> You know, somebody joked about we we actually started removing salutations like hello and hi and hey and oh yeah, it was a disturbing right. And they said, you know what you should do? You should you should greeting ba hell greeting ban. It's oh, like so only everybody. people who write the greeting can see the greeting and nobody else sees it. <laughs> oh no, that's such a yeah. horrible idea. It's a lot of work too. That's the other thing about hell banning. That's fairly complicated code that you have to set up to do that. It is. And like, how do you tell it's working? And it's yeah, it will be tough. So let's let's talk about Sam. So Sam, you've you've worked for um, Stack Exchange Inc. for for how long now? Has it been a year even? It's been a year. Wow. Oh, I started good. a little bit over a year from now. Uh, I started um, working part time on the Data Explorer. I think a month ago, a year ago. Right. And the, the and reason we came on full time at the end of June. Yeah. Yep, and and the reason Sam came to our attention is he was a very avid participant uh, on Meta and on Stack Overflow, and also was creating some pretty cool stuff. Like one of the things I liked about Sam was he was actually creating sort of his own version of 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 what we had done with Stack Overflow. He's like, I like your idea. I'm gonna write something like it with a bunch of tweaks. Um, <laughs> and he had all these really interesting ideas, and and I, I actually would follow along with that as you were developing it. Uh, and what was that called, Sam? And that's still out there. It was it? called uh, Community Tracker, and it's still out. It hasn't Tracker gotten a lot of there. love in the last year because you're a slave driver. We do but... try to keep people busy. <laughs> <laughs> we we also like yeah we hire people and then uh, as we said before you know and I mean this in, in the nicest possible way Stack Overflow is powered by bored programmers, and when we do hire people from the community, their 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 participation drops off like precipitously like uh the only exception i think is mark gravel has, has made a superhuman effort actually participate still participates pretty heavily on stack overflow yeah but he used but, to be on the the leader of the board and now he's struggling at like 10th or 20th place so it's not yeah, it's not like he is exactly what he was before but he does make a huge effort yeah now this is the most aggressive time zone difference we have as well. But Sam tends to get up for early. Right now it's 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 a uh, one twenty in California. It's what four twenty in New York, Joel, and it's uh, six yeah. twenty one a.m. in Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much Australia cuts itself off from the world economy by being strange about what time they choose for it to be over there. Can't they just can't we just agree <laughs> to standardize here? Like it's nine a.m. in New York. It's nine a.m. everywhere. 
I don't even, I'm willing to standardize on like Chicago time or Seattle time or. It's kind of a pain quarterly. He's also in the future, which is amazing. Oh yeah. He'll be on the, he'll be on the next day. He's responsible for all the off by one date errors and the, the leap year errors and so forth. He's going to have to fix (laughs) while we sleep. Uh, But it's true. But it means we get coverage. It means on Sunday we have people working on the site, namely uh, Sam. (laughs) <laughs> Though he does knock off one day early. People, people are ruining the site and making it break. Um, <sighs> Sam, Sam tell, the, tell the nice listeners what parts of uh, Stack Overflow you've worked on in the last year. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's been so wide. I, did, I started off with some work on, in the badge area. Um, I think I've touched every page on the site. There's nothing that I haven't. Maybe migrations would be the only thing that I haven't touched. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of performance work in the last few months. Um, it's hard to, uh, I can't really put a finger on one, one thing. Things but, all over the place. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of the new about, features yeah. we were rolling out, Sam was working on. I mean, the redesign of the users page, the redesign of the tags page. Um, as you mentioned, associating badges with actual posts, which was a very long-term request that whenever you get yeah. a badge, they want to know exactly what post they got it for, which I was very coy about early on, but changed my mind. Um, Sam worked on that. Um, the Data Explorer, as you mentioned, um, suggested edits, the review yeah, page. Was... There's really been a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, Sam has touched a tremendous amount of the, the Stack Exchange engine code. Um, one thing, actually, and one also thing we like talk existing about, stuff. Yeah, yeah, tons of things. Like one thing we should talk about is is um this this idea we have of of we want to enhance. Um, so let me let me explain the context. On Area Fifty One, which is our new site creation zone, we have people propose sites that are really subsites of of Stack Overflow. Yeah, uh, like there was one for for people who write compilers, and we had to sort of shut that down because we felt a couple things. One, we felt all these questions are really on topic at Stack Overflow. It's like, what compiler writing question could you write that wouldn't be on topic on Stack Overflow? And the answer is really none. Yeah. Um, there was also uh, Emac, the Emacs proposal and the Vim proposal. Oh. It's like there's yeah. already like well, 7,000 Emacs questions on on Stack, o- Stack Overflow itself. Yeah, and then we were like, well, you know, part of the process, there's 3,000, actually, I just checked. Um, uh, no, but you got to include Emacs con- Lisp and... Oh, yeah. the, the contract with the community is that you're supposed to create sites that that cover topics you can't talk about already. You know, that's the sort of the point of Area 51 is wouldn't it be great if there was a stack overflow on dot 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 some topic that's not obviously like we have one on uh, cars, motor vehicles. And like, you can't ask a motor vehicle question on stack overflow. That's obvious. But you can certainly ask a compiler question. You know, how do I write a compiler um, on, on Stack Overflow, but we're sympathetic to the idea that these these people want their own sort of community. You know, they want a place that they can go where it's all about compilers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not convinced this would be a very large site, <laughs> but we want to support it within the existing framework of of a given site, which is Stack Overflow. Uh, so what this means in practice is if you went to compilers.stackoverflow.com, and I'm not saying we're going to actually support that domain structure, but just as a way to think about it in your mind, compilers.stackoverflow.com, when you go there, you're seeing a completely filtered view of the site. You're seeing only 
questions with compiler tags, whatever that is, there will be a list of tags that are meant. You know, these are the compiler tags. Right. You're only seeing the users, like the top users page, will be top users in those tags. Um, uh, unanswered questions, top unanswered questions in those tags. You sort of see where this is going. It's like an ambient filtering to just a just a specific set of tags. Now, on the, on the face of it, this resembles something that Joel and I have resisted for a long time, which is java.stackoverflow.com, you know, where yeah. part of the reason we did this the way we did was we were intentionally putting these people in the same room because we felt programmers have more in common than they think they do. Just because you're a Java person doesn't mean that every C-sharp question ever asked is going to be completely useless to you. Now, there are people that feel that way in the community, and maybe some of those people are the ones sort of pushing for this compiler uh, and it's, it's also assuming people know how to tag stuff, which they don't half of the time. We have seen that. We have seen people that are just somehow unable to, to follow a tag through, like click through on. If you only want to see Java, then, you know, conveniently enough, there's one tag that pretty much covers everything you would want to see. I'm more sympathetic to this in the case where you follow 20 tags and they're all kind of small. You're like, my, my, my interests are so varied and so niche that there's no one tag I can go to. It's kind of like this random grab bag of these 20 tags that I like. Uh, and that's really where I think this would end up helping people the most, is for these, these subsections of the site that are very hard to capture in a single tag. I think it's also, so, you know, there's something about, like, I have a physics question I don't want to ask in a, in a crowded auditorium, just shout out my physics question. I believe that if I went into a room full of physicists, I could get an answer. Or... You know, there's a certain type of questions that people, you know, one thing you'll see that for is very, very niche products on Stack Overflow, which are used by a small handful of people, and they have absolutely zero Stack Overflow traffic um, because they're just way too niche. Uh, I'm thinking of like, uh, like things like MongoDB. Is that, how, how are we doing on MongoDB these days? Uh, I think it'd be pretty high. Uh, no, MongoDB's gotten oh, really quite popular. High. Oh, yeah, it's, it's come up. But but things uh, I, I I remember looking at MongoDB about a year ago and it really wasn't there and and some of these things um, they'll have uh, the the corporate version of that website. Uh, Fogbugs is an example, um, although it's not a programming tool. It is a tool used by programmers, so it's sort of on topic. It only has 125 questions on Stack Overflow, but on Fogbugs.stackexchange, you, you know where it's on topic. On Fogbugs.stackexchange.com, there are a total of I don't know. Let me see. Somebody will figure this out in a second. Um, all right, let's go with thousands. Just made that up. Um, yeah, tens of thousands of questions, actually. So there's a lot of conversation going on on these other sites. Um, oh, no, I'm looking at the wrong number. Tens of thousands of posts. So probably thousands of questions. Um, point being that, uh, that the fog bugs, uh, that, that for these, for these niche technologies, um, people are kind of more comfortable asking them in a site where that's all that's going on. And so if you actually had um, j not Java, but mongodb.stackoverflow.com, uh, I think you probably have more MongoDB discussion than you do now. But, but where do you draw the line? I mean, do you, like, do you let anybody with a niche idea like just create their own little sub-site or... Is it something that goes through like an Area 51 type proposal thing before it's allowed? I was thinking of it sort of like tag sets uh, or um, I guess we have synonym tag groups already. Um, but, you know, it might be that you have to gather enough existing questions 
uh, or enough existing tags, like all the tags have to have, you know, a couple thousand questions already. You know, we could use a criterion like that. Um, I don't know. It could be they're sort of unlimited and you create one and it just sort of sits there until somebody could, cares. Yeah, I mean, because one of the things that I always worried is about was performance when looking at this. Like, um, our tag area was like one of the slowest areas on the website for a very, very long time. And we just weren't able to like cut the questions right. fast enough for it to be a good experience when you have a big grouping of auto, of tags that are odd. So this um, is basically an implementation performance really. It's just like, yeah, we need to but, tweak that a little bit. But now we're kind of, we're a lot, we're a lot more ready for that. We do all of our tag handling in memory. We've got in-memory structures for it. You can also, uh, um, we own, own I mean, the implementation. Yeah. I guess if you so, say yeah. that each tag can only belong to one community, but you wouldn't, that doesn't make sense. No. Just thinking of like a database query way to make it efficient. No, no, there's no database now. Yeah. That, that's where this changed. It changed a couple of weeks ago that there is no database driving these pages anymore. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of define these tag groups and like pre-cache them if we need to. Mm-hmm. It's just if you need to do um, a million of them, it's kind of difficult. But if we only have like a uh, hundred different groupings of tags that the site is separated because there's some sort of vetting process. It becomes very, very feasible to do that. Right. Because you just build all of the all of the sets in like one pass and just cache them in memory. So this is sort of a preview of sort of what people are talking about where if you really want a lot of performance and you're doing something fairly complicated with the traditional database, it's it's tough. Like for us to do this tag technique, we, we store tags basically three different ways internally. We store sort of a, a normalized, denormalized, and there might be some other storage. But neither the normalized nor denormalized versions are really fast enough to do this, this, this you know, compilers.stackoverflow.com thing. And the benefit to us is now that we're doing it all in memory, uh, tags get extremely fast for, for the easy case of I'm just clicking on the C-sharp tag. That's, that's extremely fast now. Uh-huh. Because we're planning for a much more complex uh, view of the site, where every time you go to a page, it's applying. You know, these six tags have to be on the questions to be visible, so that needs to be almost instantaneous. So we're we're laying the groundwork for that change. Uh, but the benefit to you is, even if you don't care about compilers.stackoverflow.com, the whole site just got a little bit faster for you. And that was that was a change that prim- primarily Sam worked on. Cool. In the chat room, they all say, this is awful. This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> well, you know, I have really mixed feelings about it. But on the other hand, I felt kind of bad that we had to shut down um, a lot of these pro- sub-proposals. Like right. the, there was the one for testing, um, right. Right. you know, for, for developers who like to unit test. And we had to shut that down. And there was some controversy about that. I mean, I can dig up the links and I can send it to producer Alex. We can cite these discussions. But people weren't happy about this. You know, they really want yeah. their own filter of Stack Overflow. Right. And I can sort of see where they're coming from. I think it's a defensible argument in the case where you follow 20 sort of random tags that don't need, none of them have like, you know, escape velocity. Like even MongoDB that you mentioned has like almost 3,000 questions. That's a lot. Yeah, that could But be say you followed 20 tags that have 500 questions each. You know, this is tricky. I mean, I could subscribe to each tag. We have this thing where you mouse over a tag and you can click subscribe and it'll send you an email when there's a new question in that particular tag. So even if you don't want to come to, to one of our sites, it doesn't even matter which site, but you really care about this one tag. Like, you know, say you're the developer of MongoDB and you really want to see all the MongoDB questions. There's only 
there's a little indicator on the tags page. There were 14 today and 61 this week. So that's not overwhelming. It's right. mildly, but you've got to figure out how much email you want to get. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the other examples that we were um, concerned about. Like when we look at the stack exchanges, we would see these duplicate, duplicate overlapping and, and subsetting proposals. So you would see people saying guitar performance and then people that wanted a general music performance and people wanted a general music site and some people only wanted classical guitar. And um, you could sort of imagine that there would be classical guitar people who are sick and tired of all the, uh, you know, the, the battle axe rock and roll screaming guitar, noisy rock and roll people on the regular guitar site. Uh, but they'd still have a lot in common. And so you could imagine a classical guitar site being a subset of the guitar performance site. Then again, the stack none of the stack exchange sites really has quite enough traffic for that to matter. The other example this is um, clearly only for enormous sites. Like yeah, I don't think this probably. would matter on super user or, or server for Well, it's well. sort of surprising. Like the computer science theory people, um, when we tried to uh, get them to expand that to include all of uh, computer science, so this was cstheory.stackexchange.com, and I thought, oh my god, at this rate, we're going to have fourteen sites for every sub discipline of computer science. And uh, we tried to expand CS theory to include all the other stuff that might be legit in a computer science department, um, even though it may not really be that of, of interest to a theoretician. So, for example, uh, artificial intelligence or machine vision um, or one of the other 47,000 things that are studied in computer science departments that aren't theory. And the theory people were just not uh, fans uh, of this of this plan. They're like, "Oh, we don't. We need to have our own place. It's really important for us to have our own place." And and I pointed out that you know, in a computer science department, they have you know colloquium on Friday where they go and they hear people in the other departments and so forth. And if you look at the math overflow site, you see people working in different fields of mathematics that have nothing in common, don't even understand what each other are talking about. Uh, you know, the different subfields of math are just really, really far apart. Um, and yet they managed to all sort of survive in the same site. So the, the theory... Uh, I think there's, there's, there's a fear that like non-technical people will get into their little like place and they yeah. don't want that. Right. They, they just don't want outsiders coming in and being asking random out. They're just like, whatever, whatever place, if you have a group of people in a room, the, uh, the most awesome person in the world, a Jim Carrey could walk into the room and everybody would be like, I hated, I hated that movie. Whatever it was, Ace Detective Ace Ventura, you know, like the awesomest person in the world walks in, but you're like your little crowd of people that are already in the room, and you're sort of you know pleased with yourself at your little subgroup, and you just don't want people joining. Yeah. Uh, how do you see this this stuff relating to people asked for um, tag hierarchies, which is not this; it's a different thing. It's like yeah. every ASP.NET question is also ASP.NET. So now any, anything automatically tagged ASP.NET 4 should be ASP.NET and so on. Well, like this, it, it would be one level a long of that. rabbit hole. Sure. It would, it would be one level. I mean, my traditional argument here is it's the same argument I have against threading. I think threading is really toxic and I, I hate going to Reddit and just viewing these oh. things that are just like this long thing going to the right. It makes me I crazy. You meant, I thought you meant threading and programming. You mean like threaded, thread, threaded, threaded comments. discussions. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's mm. the same basic argument. I think really all you need is one. Well, I guess on Stack Overflow or on Stack Exchange Engine, we have technically three layers. You have the question and the answer. But the answer is really at the same level of this question. That's not pushed over any. And then under that, you have comments. And my feeling is... That's enough. Like if you can't capture, if you need to go on this extended digression where this guy responds to this guy and this guy responds to this guy, 
you're kind of doing it wrong. And I would make the same argument with tags is I would support one level of yeah. grouping, you know, for these people who make this legitimate argument that I like these 15 random tags. You know, there's not enough to really bring them together. They're not even really that closely related, but I like these 15 tags. And that's sort of what I want to see every time I go to the site. I, I think that has some merit, but that said, this is still experimental. Like we aren't 100% sure where this is going to go. Uh, the performance work is going to help everybody, and that's already rolled out. Um, but but I, I would like to extend an olive branch to these communities that feel like they got sort of dissed in the Area 51 process by being closed as, you know, you guys are proposing a subset of Stack Overflow, which they were. Mm -hmm. So I want to give them a way out. Yeah. Uh, and I'm willing to try this with, you know, emacs.stackoverflow, compilers.stackoverflow. It may not actually be a, 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 a domain name like that. I don't, we don't actually know what it's going to look like, but the functionality is conceptually what I described, where you just have this list of tags and that's all you ever see. Right. They're going to make, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be one that's all the .NET people, and there's going to be one that's all the Java people, and one that's all the, you know. PHP. Well, right, and that's what we were trying to avoid, and that's why it's a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. But right, we really want it for smaller. We're, I, I think it actually makes more sense for these much smaller groups that are otherwise drowned, drowned out. The CS theory we already thing. do, yeah, we already do a lot of work to on the front page to kind of show them a, a subset of stuff that interests them. We inject a bit of random, but they're already like able to get a view of questions that is stuff that they're more likely to be able to answer. Yeah, that's sort of the holy grail is like figure out what I like and show me only that plus Magically. you know plus some additional bonus stuff that I might like around the edges, right? This is something that actually I just want to mention that I was very deeply disappointed in the CS theory uh, community for rejecting anything that wasn't, as they said, professor-to-professor professor questions. Mm -hmm. um, because there are, in fact, I had somebody on Meta the other day complaining that there was this big O discussion on Stack Overflow that they found, like, deeply disturbing because it wasn't technically correct. Mm -hmm. um, and they were right. I mean, it, it was correct in the sense that, you know, in the way that I'm correct on my blog, which is I, I gloss over tons <laughs> of details, <laughs> you know, like all the P versus NP stuff that I, I don't think I was wrong, but I wasn't, like, capturing the, the, technical exact right way to talk about this. I was capturing sort of the popular way to explain it, sort of the man on the street. And uh, he, he he complained about this and I contacted He actually left the site because he was upset about this and some other stuff. And he was just like, he said he was spending too much time on the site. So it wasn't like he hated us or anything. He just wanted out. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I pointed out that like, look, I, I see what you're saying. And I really wish the CS theory would accept the site would accept these questions about the, the highly technical basis of big O notation, but they won't, you know, they won't accept this stuff because it's not professor or professor. And, um, the, we're, we're missing stuff because there, there is, there is, we need an outlet for that stuff. And the fact that they won't accept it kind of hurts us as a network. So yeah. I, I did find that disappointing. Well, they're trying, there's about 18 people there that are trying to make a cool little place for computer science, uh, uh, research researchers. And this is just such an undergraduate question that they, uh, think that it would sort of poison the site for researchers, essentially, to allow undergraduate questions. Yeah. And well. I, I, I mean, you know, that worked for Math Overflow, but when, in the case of Math Overflow, we also got math.stackexchange, which d did allow the undergraduate-level questions. And um, I, I think there's just a feeling that research, the research-level stuff is not the same as the stuff that is taught in the undergraduate curriculum. It's just two separate topics, and they really like to have them separate. Right. Right, and and like you said, the the, the frustration is there are, there are questions that don't fit. 
that really should fit. And that's that's what's hurting us right. uh, in that particular case. So, Okay, anything else on the... Uh... Well, related to that, I did want to mention, since we talked about this magical idea of guessing what you want and showing you that, yeah. which is kind of impossible at some level. It's that, um, it's that we, idea of the daily me from, uh, what's his name, the MIT Media Lab guy. Yeah. Who's this guy? Uh, but, no, that's like the idea of the new homepage was like to do some of that. I'm not saying all of the site is like right. that, but right. there is one page. Right, right. Somebody no, no, I, I, the, the parts of it have merit. One thing I did want to mention that we're struggling with now is now that we have the, the Japanese proposal uh, the, the Japanese site actually went to public beta today, and the German language site uh, also went to public beta. Yeah, and these are supposed to be mixtures of English and the other language. These are not meant to be fully localized sites. To be clear, they're for people interested in learning that language that sensibly also know English. But that said, it is completely acceptable to ask a question 100% in Japanese or 100% in German, and these questions are showing up in our hot list on StackExchange.com. Oh yeah, StackExchange.com. Homepage. And that's a little bit of a problem right. because I, I didn't realize when we deployed these sites, but when you go on, if you're on the internet, say you're reading the New York Times, and there was all of a sudden, in, you know, you're reading story, 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 and try to decide if you like these stories. Well, say the third story down on the list is in Japanese, like completely, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like you can't even tell what the story is about unless there's like a picture or something, and even then it's guessing. That, um, that is what, by really the way, that is what a Bloomberg bad. terminal looks like. If you've ever looked at a Bloomberg terminal, they have uh, it's you know the terminals that traders use. They feed the main feed that everybody gets in the bottom of their Bloomberg terminal of all news events is just showing up in every language. So just stuff like Chinese appears all the time, especially at night yeah. when the Chinese markets are open and the U.S. markets are closed. It's really weird. But but think about your experience on the web. I mean, language is one of right. the the rock solid things that you never see deviated from. Like you don't randomly yeah. see ads in Swedish, you know, and think nothing of it. You would think of that as an error. That is sort of weird. You see, if you um, if you use uh, if you go to a site that has DoubleClick or one of those ad networks, and you just take your computer to Israel, you'll start seeing ads on the New York Times in Hebrew for you know Israeli firms because it's right. you know detecting your IP address. And that always looks weird when it's like an English language newspaper with Hebrew ads. Um, but but it does sort of happen more. It's just the, the Americans are not as used to it. I think. It 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 felt very wrong to me. It felt like it. And I think Dory and chat described it best as you feel like you get a very strong sense of I'm in the wrong place. Like I, sure. I feel, oh, you've walked into this place. And it's like, this is not everybody turns and looks at you. <laughs> all right. So here's the problem. The problem, I mean, all right, I'm looking at the Stack Exchange homepage right now. And there's a question there written in German, which I will not attempt to read. But it's something much like, Wird für den, doesn't matter. It's a bunch of German. And, um, but, and, and so it's like, oh, that feels completely wrong. Right below that. Block devices, SDA, SDB, SDC. What comes after SDZ from the Ask Ubuntu forum? So the, the, um, this, this, both questions are equally incomprehensible to people that don't know what the hell you're, you're going on about. And I think this might be a problem with the, the interesting, the, the very fact that there's an algorithm for the Stag Exchange homepage um, says that there is, I mean, it was sort of supposed to end up being like Reddit where stuff from a bunch of different communities kind of floats to the top and ultimately it's full of interesting and clever stuff. The trouble is um, there isn't that much overlap between between some of these people. Somebody that comes to the cooking site and doesn't know any German is not going to understand the German questions or the Ubuntu questions. 
somebody who comes to the German site to learn German but is not a computer geek is not going to understand the Ubuntu questions and so on and so forth. So essentially, Stack Exchange does not have a real community that it's associated with itself, mm -hmm. like the Stack Exchange homepage, the hot list. And that's really the problem is like there is no set of people that are going to find everything interesting. Well, I don't entirely, I think that's a, not entirely correct because there's really two dimensions here. One, can I even understand what's written? Period. Like, I can actually, okay. even though I don't know, you know, I mean, actually, I do know what this is about, so it's cheating. My block devices are named SDA. There's enough information here because it's in a language I understand. I actually read this and say, oh, this is about something technical that I don't know or care about. Whereas the one in another language, like, I have no idea. I can't even tell you what that's about, even a little. I can't even guess. So I think it's a little bit different. I mean, I see what you're saying, which is, you know, why I'm terrible at math. You could have a, a math question that's that's all markup, all math markup. And, yeah. But there's usually enough English words that you can sort of tell <laughs> what's going on. Like there was a, a question bit. about pi. Yeah. You know, it's not that hard to figure out, okay, this is a question about pi. And I know the basic concept of pi and, you know, approximations of pi was the question. It's like, okay, I, I, I can sort of figure out roughly what that's about. But if that was all in German, right? you know, but, you yeah, just but, if like I look. It. Like yeah, if I look error. at the, the front page of like Stack Exchange, there's nothing really that motivates me to go back there. Like, okay, I've seen this random grouping of questions. Now what? It's well, like I won't want to come back there next week and look at that. And I have a whole go bunch to, of go to Reddit.com. I mean, what's I don't yeah. understand your argument. But but like I'm logged on. You already know who I am. You know that I'm active on a couple of sites. It could be showing me you know, skewing it towards stuff that sites that I'm interested in. Uh, it's kind of weird that it's showing me a random grouping. I, I'm not, I don't have any reason to go back here because of that. I, I got to go right back to Reddit. I mean, why would anyone go to Reddit by that logic? Well, showing but, you a bunch of random crap that other okay. people thought was interesting. <laughs> but the difference is that the other people uh, on, the, on the Reddit homepage are sharing. In other words, there's, there's one group of people that's controlling the Reddit homepage by voting up and voting down things that, to determine which ones show up on the Reddit homepage. Whereas in our case, we have a group of programmers, a group of people learning German, and a group of computer science theory people all independently But that's the same voting. argument. You still have subcultures. Like if I'm on Reddit and I'm a hardcore libertarian, sure. I'm voting up with all my might all the libertarian junk you can possibly think but of. They're all, but, the, but they have driven out all the non-libertarians out of Reddit, <laughs> which is okay. But, <laughs> but they have. They actually have. There's no conservatives on Reddit. And if there are, they're the kind of people that like to just learn about other political views other than their own and more power to them, but that's not very common. And so so there is a cohesive community on Reddit, on the Reddit homepage that drives away people that are not really a part of that community. And w w what we are doing is we're sort of saying, these are the things that these 51 communities each find most interesting, which is very different than here is a community that has eclectic taste. Yeah. No, we're still mapping it. I mean, and, and I don't disagree about the topic issue, but I think it's a very different one than the language issue. I think there's the topic issue of what topics do you show people. Mm -hmm. And there's the language issue, which I think is really fundamental. Like, I just, I don't know. I mean, the, the saving grace here, the way we're going to handle this for now is because you're supposed to have a mixture of English and the other language on, say, Japanese and German, we're going to actually have a filter that makes sure that nothing with... It has to have enough English to show on this page for now until we figure out some other way of doing that. And that should give these sites some promotion. And this actually applies to Judaism as well. <laughs> because right. there's there's questions on Judaism that are like 80% Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I have no idea. Like there's one on the page right now, dairy that you have to wait six hours after eating it. 
Um, Wait, that's completely and, English. It is in English, and I'm saying that I understand that one. Oh, okay. I understand it enough to say, okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why this is even a question someone would ask, but, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, so, it's true that a lot of this stuff, you're going to have to use an English dictionary, though, because on the uh, uh, Judaism site, there's a lot of um, things that look like they're English in the sense that they're using English letters. <laughs> well, and, and actually, here's a Japanese question. Like, there was a really interesting German question about... Um, different ways of saying uh, female friend, like the distinction between girlfriend and female friend. That was interesting, even though I know no German. And there's one here on Japanese uh, that's, I think, I, I can parse enough of it as long as there's some English, you know. And it's actually mildly interesting. Like, even though I have no real interest in learning Japanese, um, some of these cultural inter differences that they talk about are kind of intriguing, you know. Right. Just to even browse. It's not, it's not totally a waste of time from somebody's perspective who's not, you know, aggressively trying to learn the language anyway. Okay, cool. Uh, all so right, Sam, enough about the Stack Exchange. Yeah, no, we, we have a big topic, Joel, that we need to talk about. Oh. Uh, Joel is hiring uh, what he calls the chaos team, which yeah. is people to help us in the New York office uh, to help us uh, promote communities and sort of yeah. care and t t feeding and tending of communities. And uh, um, outreach uh, evangelism of communities, um, basically, right. yeah. Yep. And the cool thing about this is we, Joel sat down to do this and came up with this, this idea of there's a couple competency tests that people have to take to see if they're even appropriate for this job. One is a, a, is your basic sort of SAT, ACT type intelligence test, which right. I took and failed, which was awesome. You did not. Didn't I fail? I didn't make the cut. Did he? He did not make the cut of where we were drawing the line on the first round. It was, I mean, he really? did. Far better than yeah. average. You know, oh, I'm not. I'm like not mid 70s, but we've been drawing the cutoff line at 80. All right. So you just came one short of. There was a lot of. Did, Jeff, did you try to do the math questions? I know you hate the math. I uh, did I did. You just, like do but, random things. But or? you know, actually, Alex, one thing. This gets into testing methodology. I wasn't sure. There's two strategies for tests. One is go as fast as you can and finish as many as possible. And the other is go like only submit answers that you know to be correct, which is the correct strategy for that test. I couldn't I, tell. I'm so. not sure because that one was actually very difficult. I I did was the first one to take the test because when we were testing it out, and I finished, but only with three seconds to spare. So there's. Definitely a trade-off on that one because you only have 15 minutes to do all 50 questions. So right. I think it's go through and do it as quickly as you can. Knock out all the ones you – wait, because yeah. no, you can't go back on them. You can't go back. Well, that's, that's right. Trick. I mean it depends if the, the wrong answers count against you or not. That's they really the, the they issue. They don't count against you. But oh, you so then you should. We should go as fast as possible. Yeah. Then, well, at least on the SAT, you can go through and like do all the ones you know. You that do you the know, easy ones so you that get you get those knocked out, yeah. and then you loop back and you're like, okay, these are the harder ones. So at least yeah. if you don't finish in time, you haven't you know wasted it and not gotten some easy ones. But on that one, yeah, you just kind of have to give yourself. Alex, like, if you don't know it within 20 seconds, go to the next. Well, can we can we post that link for everyone to try there, <laughs> or is that would that be weird? No, don't. Um, we don't want to spread it too far. Yeah, that might be spreading it too far. We did a bunch. Of, a lot of people in the office tried it, and and yeah. we got results that were moderately predictable. Yeah, uh, which yeah. is that <laughs> we can post if you want to embarrass everyone in the office, we can post everyone in the office. No, most people got like ninety eight percentile, you know, ninety percentile, and then on the sales test, where where there's a different test which measures your aptitude for doing sales. And the truth is, everybody I showed this to have said there is no way to guess how you are supposed no. to 
answer it. Yeah. Like what the right answer is for getting hired as a salesperson. You, you can't. That's not even an appropriate subject for multiple choice test, in my opinion. Kind of. It's like, well, but it's mostly, most of the questions were like, how do you agree? Do you it's agree or disagree? It's not a test. It's a personality profile. It's right. It right. Do you like doing this? I do, you see. Like, do you hate doing that? Um, and it's just hard to know. You know, do you think you're really smart? Do you think you're kind of smart? No, I think it's really hard to game it because they, yeah. uh, because they ask you the same question over and over again. And if you answer differently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to game because not, they're. You're not really playing according to the rules. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if Punyon is, if you can all hear the Punyon over there, but he points out that it's hard to game because they'll put a question at the beginning and at the end, like in the opposite form or something to try to detect gaming. Uh, and it's just sort of hard to notice that. Yeah. But, um, the, uh, and of course, if you're really good at gaming tests, then you do you'll, you'll do well as a salesperson. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say ironically, it's, it's it does kind of tell you something about them if they're able to do it. And actually, if you look at the score report on that test, it actually gives back a number that's on the scale of one to five of how much that person was trying to game the test, like right. the consistency of their answer. Consistency. So I, I actually I, I took that and I did worse than anyone else. I'm pretty sure uh, I, I had like minus 100. Everything is on a scale of zero to 100. I had like minus 100 on everything. I am so utterly, completely incapable of ever being a salesperson in just so many different dimensions. That's not even funny. And uh, and most of the dev team that tried it um, were pretty bad. A couple of developers could possibly uh, get jobs uh, as salespeople. Nick here um, could have been a salesperson. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca writes in the chat room, I made pretty patterns with my answers for the sales section. <laughs> that's like, well, that's, you probably did better than me with my minus 100 because, uh, anyway. So, so uh, that that's not actually even the interesting part of the test, although it's interesting in the sense that we're, you know, filtering people. Um, it's a, it's an initial even... filter. It's just a way to get rid of, um, we wanted to be able to uh, advertise this job relatively far and wide uh, and have a very quick and inexpensive way of getting rid of the people that, honestly you know are, have weren't serious yeah or aren't serious. yeah weren't serious yeah. but the interesting part of the test which i was starting to get to i just want to explain that part um was the internet competency test because for for people on the chaos uh -huh. team you need to be really com i mean you need to know what you're doing on the internet you need to know like how to link things <laughs> right uh how you know what creative commons is uh there's some a lot of subtlety <laughs> to this and go ahead and talk about it, joel i thought you came up with some really yeah. interesting criteria so we actually had a multiple choice question, which we came up with ourselves. And we're just starting to get, we've had, I think now, Alex, four, four. people take this. People. And we're starting to see some interesting patterns. My hard questions are just too hard for anybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple of the ones I came up with are just way too obscure, I think, for anybody. What's a, give me an example of an extremely obscure uh, question. Well, Here, I'll, I'll give one. What do, um, what do Ashton Kutcher and Ron Conway have in common? Anyone? 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 Uh, they're investors in the same company. They're investors in the same company. That's great. So uh, this, that's the kind of thing that it's like if you read everything on TechCrunch, by now you would know that. Oh, here's mine. Where is the Google 767 parked? Oh, yeah. Doesn't, don't people know that? Uh, actually, one person got it right. <laughs> well, wait. Are they allowed to search for that or are they just no. supposed to know it? No, no, no. It, but it's multiple choice. So it's, it's where's the oh. Google 767 parked? A, Moffett Field. B, Mineta San Jose Airport. C, San Francisco International Airport, or D, Palo Alto Airport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're all well, how do you enforce that you can't look? Actually, you well, know, that's more of just like... In front of... Oh, this is given to them in person this is in, in person. our office. Oh, in person. It's so they written, can't. It's written on paper. Joel hates printing things out, but he made an exception for this test. 
Now, uh, the other part of that test, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some internet knowledge. There's things like, um, uh, do we have ceiling cat? What is ceiling cat watching you do? No, that wouldn't be. Oh acceptable. no, no, it, it's why is this cat happy? <laughs> why is this cat happy? And it's because he has a bucket. No, it's because he can has cheese. He can has a cheeseburger. Wow. <laughs> and um, and then there's. <laughs> What if the internet is a series of blank, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, tubes, yeah. pipes? Well, well, hold on. That question, though, it's made more. It's it's like the full Ted Stevens quote, though, rewritten into a into a question. So I believe. Yeah. Let's see. The full one is: the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's a series of a wires, b pipes, c tubes, or d connections. So um, everyone everyone has been putting connections. Yeah. Tubes. I learned that. Yeah, it's tubes. <laughs> I learned that on the Colbert Report. It's tubes. I. That's right. And, and that some people will accuse us of being ageist in our test because we're. Anyway, um, the. Uh, and what? Oh, Jeff, you should get this one very easily. What should you never feed? A tricksters, B fire, C trolls, or D vampires? Gremlins. After uh, okay, so that was our internet portion of the test that we came up with, and I think um, what Alex is reporting is so far people are wait wait um, wait no no you just listed the trivia questions like there were other actual there were better some ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah well there were some easy ones like those are just to see if you're like an internet citizen kind of and then there were ones like yeah. you know which of the following is not a valid email address what would you you know what would you do if you wanted to send email to somebody and then send a copy of it to somebody else and not have the first person know that the second person was getting a copy. And the choices are cut and paste, CC, BCC. You know, that's just basically like, do you know how to use, do you know how to operate the internet? Well, there was someone in Creative Commons that I wanted to add too. Of like, you know, you see somebody using your content, you know, without right attributing it to you. Like, what what do you do about this? What are the uh, that yeah that or one at least was which of these licenses? Yeah, like or not even just licenses. But like, what do you even begin? Like, what what how do you what do you start with to right. actually figure that out? And uh, so then we had a bunch of questions at the end that were really about Stack Overflow, and they're the ones and Stack Exchange, the company. And there were things like, you know, who founded the company? When was it created? What is it for? What does it do? How many sites do we have? Um, how many, uh, what were some of the other? We had some really obscure ones, like how can you earn points on a site that you know nothing about, like where you just don't understand the subject? By the way, Jeff, yeah. you'll be proud to know that all of the applicants have correctly answered that you are one of the two co-founders. However, half of them have put that Joel Spolsky spelled S-P-O-L-S-K-I is the other one. So. Uh, nobody guessed Jeff Spolsky uh, and Joel Atwood. Nope, nobody said Jeff Spolsky and Joel Atwood. <laughs> That's great. Um, but I was really fascinated by this concept of this the internet competency test because – yeah. I don't know. It does seem like on some level, like people do need to be competent on the internet in some broader sense, like five, ten, maybe not now, but like 10 years from now. Like, how do you find things? There, there so that's one of the really essential things. In school, the trouble is that, you know, even our knowledge is totally out of date. Like stuff like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff that kids know that we just don't know. Like we don't you, you Jeff, between you and I, we could probably not survive for 10 minutes on Facebook without somebody to help us. Probably. I don't think that's I don't, I don't true. even know i don't even know how to get into that game with the farming like i don't, I don't know how don't to enter the a game critical part of using facebook joel i think that's an add-on <laughs> okay i don't know you'd be surprised 100 million users out of 600 million on facebook use uh farmville i think might, might even be more i i think finding things through through web search is really critical i mean because i see a yeah. lot of stuff that 
people just can't seem to find things. And to me, it's like, well, that's easy. I mean, that's so easy to find. Right. And there's stuff that is legitimately really hard to find. Like I had posted a quote into 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 the chat a while ago about a uh, uh, university, about college, about, and I remembered that quote from years ago, and I was like trying to find it on the internet. That was like my finest hour of searching. Like that quote was like in one place on the internet. That was not like one of those quotes. It's all over the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me hours to find. That. <laughs> I had to pull out like every possible trick, like find related terms on the page, then search for that, and keep digging and digging. Yeah. So. To me, how to find things is, is, is things is really key. Right. There's it's a like, question about suggested edits on the chat room that I've just noticed go by. Suggested edits. Uh, did any of your metrics have any features occur? That that one, the Tim Stones question. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a question from the uh, from the audience um, from Tim Stone. Uh, since uh, Waffles worked on the suggested edits and review page. That's, uh, by the way, let me interrupt for our users that don't know on Stack Overflow. There's a relatively new feature where anybody, even anonymous users, I think, can edit anything. And their their edit is not immediately accepted like it would be with a, a wiki-like site, but is instead put in a queue for people to review. And if they like the edit, they, uh, they accept it. Um, so uh, uh, Tim writes, I get the impression that the general opinion is, hooray, but did you guys collect any sort of metrics that would show how much these features helped to improve the average quality of content on the sites in the sense of how much more questionable content is being addressed, uh, et cetera? So any, any kind of metrics, results, anything like that from suggested edits? So, yeah, we, we get 3,500 a week on Stack Overflow wow. at the moment. Um, a lot of it is for wikis because wikis have a pretty high bar for editing. Uh, you need like 20,000 reputation to be able to edit them without any kind of permission. Um, but uh, a lot, and a lot of them are formatting on Stack Overflow. So, but, but how do you like, so we've got the metrics on the numbers, but how do you like compare that? What, what do you compare that to? I think, yeah. you know, one of the things that I believe about editing is that there's a feeling that a site that has um, better English uh, clearer and better written English will will appear to people to be higher quality. Um, yeah, it, it, you know. In other words, people will judge a book by its cover. They'll look at a site that has a bunch of questions that are written badly, and um, and so uh, anything that can be done to improve the quality of uh, English grammar, spelling, etc., in a question yeah. or an answer is just it, it's making our site better in in, in a certain way. Uh, even if it just makes it look higher quality and therefore it attracts better people and therefore, you know, we have more people around to answer questions. So um, that's something that um, I've heard in a couple of places other than just knowing it to be true as a human. Um, you know, we know, for example, that the Quora team is very obsessive about everything being in perfect English um, everywhere throughout the site. And um, this this contributes to the feeling that there's high quality stuff going on there, even if they don't always get you uh, an answer. They certainly the questions are formatted well, and um, the uh, the other the other thing I've heard of is there was a story with Zappos. Um, Sam, did you see that in the news? No, it, I didn't. It was it was Zappos, right? Anybody? 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 Oh, yes, we got a chat room. Chat room. Yeah. Okay. So Zappos basically did a study and discovered that if the quality of uh, reviews of shoes. Zappos is an online shoe store. And they discovered that the higher the English quality in the reviews of the shoes, the more shoes they sold. 
And it didn't matter if the review was negative or positive. So even a negative review written in high quality English um, made th that shoe sell more than if the the user reviews of that shoe were written in low quality English or, or um, you know, tech speak or um, just ungrammatical English. And so, um, so far, so good. Then Zappos started doing something which is a little bit questionable, which is that they uh, used Mechanical Turk to pay people a very small amount of money to correct all the spelling and grammar <laughs> errors and to copy edit all the reviews on Zappos. And all of a sudden, uh, all the reviews got a lot better. And this presumably increased their sales by more than it cost them to pay the copy editors, which is probably 15 cents a post or something. So... Um, so that was a little bit questionable, but I thought it was sort of interesting. And, and the reason it was questionable is, is also interesting and relevant to us, which is that uh, they uh, – the reason it's questionable is that a lot of times when you read a review of a shoe on an online store or a book on Amazon, you judge the person reviewing it before you judge their review. So you say yes. – God, this guy's illiterate. I don't care if he's got a negative review. I do that on Yelp all the time, actually. Or on TripAdvisor, you're like, this hotel sucked. There was no fridge in my room. You're like, come on, it's the Ritz-Carlton. Of course, they don't have a fridge in your room. They, they don't have refrigerators in hotel rooms at the Ritz-Carlton. What kind of hotel yeah. do you stay at anyway? So so you say, I'm, I'm going to ignore this one-star review because you're obviously an income poop. And if all that those income poop reviews all get rewritten in high-quality English, then uh, um, some of the some of the information is lost as to the quality of the reviewer. Now that's not really something. I mean, that might happen on answers on on Stack, not so much on questions. So it's actually interesting that a lot of times I see questions being asked on a Stack Exchange or Stack Overflow site where the question is perfectly fine, um, but people are just sort of unwilling to answer or they're um, kind of discarding it as a noisy question um, because the English is so terrible. And if you can kind of figure out what the person wanted and rewrite it in high quality English, um, a lot of times that gets them an answer and that makes the internet better. So, so we're all. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of times people won't approve an edit that's too big. Like that's something that I've noticed. You know, they're, they're not allowing you to kind of embed it with a whole bunch of new information. That's not the right. idea behind these edits. Um, but you could, like, fixing spelling and whatnot happens all the time and formatting. And I think that's improved the site tremendously because these people were not able to edit before. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at rejections, we only get, like, one in six rejections. Um, the other stat that's really interesting is that anonymous, like, we thought this long tail and anonymous would be looking at all these questions and editing them. We get 15 a day. It's like nothing. It's a drop in the ocean. So it, you have to be really invested in the site in some way before you're going to even fix stuff that you know looks bad. So you're saying we're actually not getting as many anonymous edits as we expected? Yeah, only 15 a day, which is nothing. Whoa, okay. They're mostly good. Yeah. They're mostly good. But like compare 15 to like the sure. almost 600, it's like a drop. Yeah, and 3,600 new questions with 8,000 errors in them. <laughs> <laughs> and and exactly yeah. 15 of these get improved. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the new questions, like Anonymous isn't allowed in to touch the new questions, which is by design. They right. can only touch the long tail. Yeah, um, the long tail. The intent is for the, the Anonymous users to touch like a question that's like a year old that everybody's forgotten about, but they're going to arrive there because they're going to find it through web search. Right. We want them to be able to help there. Yeah. But the homepage, we do not want them to be able to sort of vandalize the homepage, yeah. <laughs> essentially, in so many words. 
Well, I don't think vandalizing is a risk. I think you know the the goal is you know I, I actually started out long before there was a Stack Overflow thinking that this would be a lot more like Wikipedia, and uh, what I wanted is that answers would be embellished and get better and better and better. And I've definitely done that to questions where I've gone and taken somebody else's answer and added another paragraph to make it a a, a more complete answer. You know, sometimes the answer just should be an article practically. Um, it's funny because that in general would be rejected under suggested headers. Yeah, these days that's just that doesn't seem to be the the the, the, the I don't think the community uh, coalesced around the same idea that I had. I, I like it, but yeah, I mean, people don't seem to like it for some reason. Remember one of the one of the problems with it's, it's sort of hard to see, but one of the problems with the old style PHPBB and forums and so forth uh, for, for computer questions is you would, um, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd log on, you'd, you'd search for Google and you'd say, you know, how do I do X? And you're, if something, if there was somebody from six years ago telling you the wrong way to do it, that would be the number one result in Google because it was so old that Google thought it must be highly authoritative. And the current way of doing it w would just be impossible to find. And so Wait, people a, would cut and I paste a, wrong code all over the place. And, I have a specific example of that, Joel, that just happened to me. Yeah. So somebody was asking on web apps. I went over to web apps and I saw a question that I could answer. I'm like very excited because I was like, I can answer this. I know this. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it was about... In Google, when I do a search, what's the keyboard shortcut to take me, like, in the search results to go to the first search result? Not the I'm feeling lucky button, but I'm browsing the search results. Yeah. I'll go to the first result. And uh, I noticed recently that Google, there's a little arrow next to the search results, and you can manipulate it with your keyboard keys. You can go up arrow, down arrow, and you can press enter, right arrow, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll point this out. And But at first I did some searches to see, like, when did this feature, I know it wasn't always there, yeah. but I did a search for, like, you know, selecting... Uh, Google search results, the keyboard, that all the like results three were days way ago, out of date. It? Yeah, yeah. It, it was way out of date. And I was like, okay, this is actually net benefit of the internet. I'm going to document this in a way. It's like, this is the correct answer. This is like why it behaves the way it does now. Partly motivated by the fact, and of course I posted this on Twitter and like several people were like, this is not new. It's like, this is old news. And I was like, well, wait, wait, wait. This is actually new as of Google Instant, which is September of last year. So this is not exactly you know, ancient history here. And if you do a search for this, it's very hard to find yeah, because there's so many old pages talking about these old plugins that give you, you know, keyboard search results or the Google Labs feature, which is now obsolete, not even supported. You can't even get to it. The page is a, like a, not even there. Right, right. So this does happen. And that's one of the reasons, you know, all this stuff is editable. And I edited all the, the crap out of the question. I edited the other answers. I yeah. made it like a really good resource, and that's yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. Because ultimately, we can't just sort of stand there and just shout louder than everybody else. Um, but at least we can make sure that if we have wrong content, that it is editable, and and that um, ultimately it it can be changed. <laughs> As opposed uh, Joel, to yeah, I mean, the other what, what's really funny is you could be a member of a disc, of an old forum or something, and uh, and 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 um, even if you're a member of an old forum. Or, or a moderator, you might not be able to change an old answer which is wrong or dangerous because it's like this 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 discussion f topic is too old and has been locked, and and you're sitting there saying this is wrong. This has got a SQL injection bug in it. It's no longer true. It's got you know all kinds of security errors, and it's got um, you know the password for the president's Gmail, and and I need to change this. <laughs> you can't. So um, making everything editable was an important design principle. And now, the other reason we block anonymous users from editing for the first eight hours is we kind of want to give registered users priority. 
um, because there are there is some contention. Like when somebody posts like a something has several obvious errors, users will fight over it. I mean, six people will start editing it, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that problem as well. And if you added like the 50 anonymous users who are also looking at it, right? <laughs> then you have even more of a problem. So it wasn't uh, did just... We, did we mention with the edit stuff that now the bigger edit takes over? Yeah, there's a bunch of subtlety to that as well. So people were complaining, rightfully so, that we were favoring short edits accidentally, which is very, I'm highly opposed to. Um, because whoever got the edit in first would win because they would block sort of other attempts to save because I change one character and I click enter, which is sort of a pet peeve of mine, the bit twiddlers that change one tiny thing in a giant broken post. So it's like, oh, there should be an exclamation point here. It's like <laughs> the whole thing is wrong. Could you just like fix the whole thing while you're there or, you know, maybe make it more grammatically correct or make it readable? No, no, no. Just this one exclamation point is out of place. It drives me crazy. But anyway. So now we favor uh, longer edits. If you write a really long edit, that will essentially replace the shorter edit, silently even, um, because we don't want to throw away good edits. I mean, why would we want to do that? We don't want to block somebody and say, oh, sorry, somebody saved one character, and now you're hosed with your giant rewriting of the post to make it awesome. So Yeah, that was it's a, also that was a, a perception change. thing. You don't, it's the last people you want to punish, the people that are doing the best job. So they should get The most huge. work, certainly. Yeah. You know, I mean, the bit twiddlers are doing almost nothing. That's sort of what I object to. I mean, if you want to do that on some post that's like five years old and nobody cares about, that's fine. But don't block other people on the homepage from improving a very bad question yep. with a bit twiddling. Um, we've got, uh, we're sort of running out of time. Any other uh, important announcements, news, celebrations coming up? Uh, we've got some of the open source stuff that um, we're just about to, um, I mean, we just did open source our profiler piece. Uh, which Jared um, has been working really hard on. Oh, that's our open ID, uh, our open ID provider. No, 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 no. Sorry. So if you, go to, if, yeah, if you go to data.stackexchange.com um, data explorer yeah. and log in, you can see you can see it in action. So it, it, it gives you timing of how long it took to render a page. Oh, that little thing uh, in the corner. It's in the to, top left hand corner. It's a little. There's a little uh, circle yeah, around you, it, and it tells you how many milliseconds that page took to to render. Yeah. But you can also and click you, it. Yeah. Really? Yes, click it. And then you can see all of the SQL that was used to build the page. And um, there's an API that you can um, use and kind of break the page into pieces. Oh, it's very and nice. It shows how much time. There's a link that says show time with children, which I assume says not enough. Go home. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's not enough instrumentation children, on that page. Your children are cry, are cry, are far, your children are playing with bombs in the street right now. Get home. Okay. But click on the SQL but, link, Joel. Like, click on where yeah. it says three SQL or... Yeah, 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 a bunch of select statements. Friggin' cool. So, but you get the time. See, T plus 4.7 uh-huh. milliseconds. Uh-huh. So you see uh-huh. exactly what's happening on the page. Now, the page does need to be awesome. instrumented a certain way to get really good feedback here. You have to put some sort of using statements to sort of feed. Uh, no, but this is, this Data Explorer is using none of that. It's right. just instrumenting the SQL. Yeah. What, um, what do I need to use? What, who, who would this benefit? For, so you're a, you're We're in the process program. of open sourcing this tool because we found it so useful. Yep. We're backporting it to every site we, we touch, including careers and Area 51 and Stack Exchange. Because it just helps uh, and us we identify. use it on Stack Overflow. Like that's how we see sure. Stack Overflow. So th- so, but, but this is somebody building on .NET and SQL Server. Right. Yes, uh, no, not SQL. It'll work on Oracle on any kind of oh. database. Okay. Uh, so it's somebody building net, uh, it... an ASP.NET um, 
website or ASP.NET MVC website. Okay. Pretty much. That's the market. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to send a shout out to, to Jared for doing this because, I mean, this, this, I was a little bit skeptical when we did this. So I was like, okay, this is a little bit information porn, which I always try to resist. But what I found was that, gosh, we found so many just dumb things in the code that weren't even intentional. It wasn't like us doing anything massively wrong. Um, but we found just so many places we could go so much faster with like almost like just tiny amounts of effort. You know? All those, oh, all those the, uh, the, SQL, uh, SQL statements, they're just like select get date. You don't have to, SQL wasn't you don't usually have to call the problem. SQL it, for that. It, it's kind of weird. What happened? It's a long, long story. But linked to SQL has gone from being something I like to something I now kind of hate <laughs> because something happened to it. I'm not entirely sure what. I don't know if it's because we have this new model where there's 40 sites running on a single IS instance or what. But uh -huh. linked to SQL will regularly just block for like hundreds of milliseconds with just stupid stuff like select star from user. Right. It'll decide, oh, I'm going to spend 200 milliseconds in hyperspace doing I don't even know what. Yeah. Um, and then your SQL's blazing along at like three milliseconds. And you're like, okay, it took three milliseconds to get the data, but it took linked to SQL, you know, 250 milliseconds to put that data into like some sort of in-memory structure that I can manipulate. Um, I've become very, very almost anti-linked to SQL now based on the profiler. You just have to, it, it's a little bit too high level. You have to know what's going on, with, especially since those operations can be so unbelievably expensive. We, we think there's like some internal locking. They're very coy about this. They won't open source the link to SQL implementation, but we think there's some sort of like pretty hardcore locking that goes on on a very like gran not very granular level. And then they wonder why people don't trust them to build production. Well, the weird thing is, Joel, I, I have to say it worked great for us up until, yeah. gosh, about six months ago. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm still not entirely sure what happened, but it got really bad. Like, they're trying to, there I must be some new data access strategy that they're going to push. At the coming there, up, the there is uh, actually it's kind of in maintenance mode because they're trying to push EF, so yeah. they're not building new features for there it. You go. That's why. But EF is slower. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you and can the, upgrade that, to something slower. And they've got the the people that are working on Link to SQL are like all the summer interns and the the development team in in whatever funny country it is that they acquired a development team by mistake. So keep an eye out for this. We'll go ahead and post a link to it in the show notes. I think it's pretty much ready. Cool. There's still some tweaking we're doing to it, but it but it it's yeah. open source and, and Jared has been working diligently to make it a drop in type of thing where whatever project you have, as long as it's .NET and you talk to a database, you can get all these performance benefits. Um, speaking of open source in general, uh, for all these open source projects that we either are the creators of and we we have open sourced or that we consume, um, we're going to have a big old hack day. At Stack Overflow Dev Days in Washington D.C., what's the date, Alex Miller? Uh, it's going to be the thirteenth of December. 13th of December. So this December, basically, the the, um, the most of the Stack Overflow, or if not all of the Stack Overflow Dev team, will be there on site at uh, at Stack Overflow Dev Days in Washington D.C. And we're going to have a hack day if anybody wants to join us um, to just sort of hack away on some of making improvements for our, some of our open source uh, products that we ship and the open source products that we consume. Um, that you know we might need little fixes on. Um, so the reason I'm announcing this now is once so you can plan to go to that awesome DC Stack Overflow Dev Days if you want to attend that. And um, secondly, so you can start to make lists of things that we want fixed. Uh, so we have a big old list of stuff people can work on at that hack day. Yeah, that'll be fun. And you can you can touch Sam Saffron. You can touch him. You can. You oh. can. <laughs> yeah. Not too much. Not too much. Just maybe one. You know. Just maybe a gentle. Yeah. For for, for luck reasons. Yeah. Uh, a side, a side uh, hug or whatever. Yeah, Christian side hug. Thank you. 
Geez, every time I mention a place, the, the chat room people are always like, yeah. where is this going to be? What city? How about Atlanta? Can we have it in Oklahoma City? What, what? about Oklahoma City? No, Tulsa. Gosh. We're doing, do, we're do doing one other big announcement. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Producer Alex. Which is that shop.stackexchange is finally fully stocked with all of our orders and ready for everyone to go get all of their amazing Stack Exchange swag. That's an, that sounds more like an advertisement than, a, than an announcement. But okay, shop.stackexchange.com, where you can buy retractable Sharpies, make your own Dr. Punyon soda. Uh, you can buy um, beer steins. Beer steins, yes, awesome. Coffee mugs. Co- coffee mugs. Uh, um, hoodies, hoodies. Jackets. Jackets. Bags. Of course, t-shirts. T-shirts. t-shirts stickers. Up the wazoo. We got we got oh. some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I, I do want to mention too. We are proceeding with making the uh, the, the t-shirts and stickers specific to each Stack Exchange 2.0 site. Uh, sort of ordered by traffic and size at this point. Wait, who the hell we- is this model? That, that that person doesn't work here. It's a temporary oh. one. The hoodie. Who's that guy? <laughs> That's not one of our programmers. <laughs> I would have noticed. All right. Yeah. Who is that guy? <laughs> uh, we. He's he's a temporary placeholder while we uh, while we work on our awesome scheme of getting. Uh, Ten thousand rep community, community member. Yes. To high model level community us. members to be be our models. All right. Oh, does the mug really have this embossing of the yes, voting? And that's cute. And it actually <laughs> the doesn't it change colors. Really cute. Yeah. Yeah. It unfortunately does not change colors. We the cold activated dyes were going to be a slightly unreasonable pricing. So. Oh, there's another. There's another doppelganger. There's the women's V-neck T-shirt, Joel. If you want to complain about yet another person we don't recognize, person that doesn't exist. Yep. Uh, uh, the jacket has another person you own, right? Yeah, we only hire models now. Like, yeah. you have to be a really good programmer and a model. This is a very <laughs> narrow requirement. It's why Punyon's being fired later this week. Oh, no, that's why we hired Punyon. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is the end of another exciting Stack Exchange uh, podcast, Stack Exchange episode number... Seven. 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 And the first one to include live uh, video. With We're down to only 100 viewers. That means... What were we up to? We were up to. We were like 150. Yeah, so I've we're showing too many punions. At least 50. <laughs> yep. At least 50 people have been offended by this, the sheer boringness and idiocy. I'm watching this thing live, but thank you very much. If you participate in the chat room, we'll continue to do this week after week, and um, and there will be uh, cool prizes, interesting treats, um, so on and so forth. Yeah, and um, thanks, Sam, for being on. Special thanks to Index Ventures for providing the money for the on-air sign, which you see up there. And uh, that's it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye.